0: details. Katie, how are you? Good, I'm great. Where was I? It's it's the radiance of Katie Mitchell. She walks in the room and everyone loses track of everything that's going on. You are well, my dear? You are well? Okay, I'm glad to hear that. I think so. Ask me in about six months and I might be able to tell you how I was doing today. (laughs) I have a lag. I don't really understand it. But yeah, Um, in a lot of things. Yeah, we'll just keep going. So, ha ha. Not ha ha funny, ha ha weird. (laughs) All right. Two shows nightly. Don't forget to tip your weight staff. Thank you. Well, if you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we have a way you to communicate with us just fill out this little piece of paper in your bulletin drop it in the bucket on your way out and we will take it from there Um, several good things going on around here that you should know about Uh, you can always click through our website and uh... get into our online portal find each other uh... find out what's going on around here and then let's see we have the final segment of discover hope for those of you who are crazy enough to want to join this church. That happens after church today in the library. Um, Those of you who are in officer training, we will meet in classroom two. Um, And it's one of of the great disappointments was when somebody fixed the signs on the classroom doors. It used to be that there was like nursery, classroom one, classroom two on the door, and then above the door were the numbers 1 over the nursery, 2 over classroom 1, and 3 over classroom 2. It was awesome. (laughs) It was so Hope Church, but someone fixed that, and uh, now they are what they say they are. So we will be in classroom 2 for officer training if you are involved in that. Um, Let's see, we have two reboots going on at Hope right now. We have a reboot on Saturday mornings for those of you who are military, active duty, or veterans. And that reboot um, begins at 9, well, I'm sorry, 0900. um, (laughs) And you are invited to come to that. If you missed the first installment, don't worry. They'll still take you. Um, Then our second reboot is for anyone and that is on tuesday nights beginning at six we will feed you dinner um, and then that course is just directed at uh, any life trauma which if you've been alive for very long you've got some i'm pretty sure so uh... feel free to uh... sign up for that that's tuesday nights beginning at six again we will feed you you can't beat this this is good stuff um, Then we have a Boundaries small group that we are trying to get off the ground. um, That is on Thursday evenings at 6. We will not feed you. You're on your own, but you can bring something. And then we have a men's night coming up on Friday, February 10th. Then we have our annual chili cook-off. There was much (laughs) rejoicing. Thank you all right <laughs> chili cook-off February 19th which I totally understand if you don't want to sign up just because you know who's gonna win already so there's no point really in entering I so, or Wesley, or <sighs> what um, did Zoe win last year Zoe and Izzy Was won last you? year a <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wesley won last year so unseat Wesley True, ladies and gentlemen. That is the goal of this year's chili cook-off. Um, we can't have a we can't have another two-time winner. We only have one Ooh. two-time winner. I'm just saying. Wow, the <laughs> you you cannot beat me with beans because that's stew. It's not chili. <laughs> Michael, you want to back me up there? Beans. What? Exactly. I thought you were endorsing beans for a <laughs> moment. I was. But Amen, brother. Wouldn't they have had beans? Not sure. Sure. More but not in beans? Their yes. On in a little separate bowl of beans. No it, no, it wasn't. Unless unless the cowboy took his plate, his plate of beans and mixed it into his chili just because he was in a hurry or something. That's okay. Amen. But it's chili with, with Yes. With so that you know, you're from Wisconsin, so <laughs> I just don't even need to listen to you any further on this it's subject. It's to <laughs> and the church divided <laughs> <laughs> over <laughs> chili. Perfect. Um, all right. Where was I? So, okay. Later in February, on Tuesday nights we are restarting our Tuesday night Zoom Bible study. This is going to focus on uh, some of the key passages in Scripture and just discussing and understanding and retaining some of that. Uh, And so this will be a Tuesday night Zoom, and it will be available to anyone who wants to kind of uh, shore up their grasp of God's Word. That's the focus this time. And uh, th- we don't know uh, how long that, that segment will last, we'll see, um, and then when, when nobody Zooms in we'll change subjects and see if we can start it over again, that's how that works. Um, but uh, that's coming up, that's going to start February 21st at 7 on Zoom, Tuesday nights ongoing. What am I forgetting? got reboot I think I covered reboot what was the other one? Oh, it reboot or boundaries just shoot an email to Jack Fliss who is not feeling well this morning we will pray for him later um, but uh, shoot an email to Jack and let him know that you're interested and he will get you the information you need um, his email is in the bulletin so there it is here we go any other questions comments or snide remarks I mean, if there's interest in a Super Bowl party and someone wants to coordinate that, but the biggest variable is we don't have a cable subscription, so we'll have to figure out how to get the game on somewhere. But at this point, there's nothing in the works. But if you want to coordinate it, you let me know. All (laughs) right. All right. Why don't we have all of the important people come forward at this time. If you are in 5th grade or younger, we invite you up for our children's chat today before you go to Hope for Kids. Good morning everybody. How are y'all doing? Got to get where I can see everyone. Good morning. Everybody doing all right? Good day. I like that. So, Yes, ma'am. I did 100 somersaults yesterday at the evening, and then this morning I did 100. You did 100 somersaults yesterday and 150 this morning. Were you dizzy when you were done? Yes. Okay. All right. Next time, next time, put your head on a baseball bat. Put the bat on the ground and run around it five times before you do your somersaults. It'll make them way more interesting. Well, I have a question for you. You ready? What is this? It's a Bible. And where does it come from? Jesus. That's a good answer. Yes, there's all kinds of Bibles, all different sizes and shapes, but they all say the same thing, right? They're all You have a Bible. You have the Rhyme Bible. That's pretty cool. Here, let me see your Rhyme Bible. Can I see that for a second? All right. Thanks. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Oh, I'm too old to open it. No, no, no. I want to get past that. Uh, Baby in a boat. That's a good one hold on hold on there we go all right let's do baby in a boat hush little baby don't make a noise Pharaoh's soldiers don't like little boys this is getting creepy (laughs) now little baby I've made you a boat I'll put you inside and set you afloat but Pharaoh's daughter saw it nearby and when she looked he started to cry the baby's big sister ran for their mother she went to get help for her baby brother then Pharaoh's daughter opened her purse and paid the baby's mother to be his nurse. That's a great story. You know who that's about? It's about Moses. You remember Moses? Yeah. yeah, when he was born, he was put in a basket and floated down the river. Pharaoh's daughter found him. And then Moses, Moses oversaw the writing of the first five books of the Bible. So that's a pretty big deal, right? So Moses gave us what is called the law and I want you to listen to these words from one of the books of Moses and it says this I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm With great acts of judgment. So, God is the God who redeems. He tells us in His Word that He wants us back. Have you ever done anything wrong, bad, gotten in trouble? (laughs) Caden? Anyone? You don't know if you've ever done anything wrong and gotten in trouble? Thank you, Esther. Me too. <laughs> all right, we have siblings telling each other to raise their hands. There's all kinds of hands going up now. Okay, yes, we all do things that are wrong. We all make mistakes. We all, we all do things that we shouldn't, but we learn from them, and God wants us back every time we go and do something wrong. He wants, uh, he wants us to know that he loves us, that he will forgive us and that he wants to restore his relationship with us because we are his kids, right? Did you know that? You're God's kids. That's awesome. So God promises in his word, in the law, to deliver us, to bring us home, to bring us back to him. All right. I think that's all I got. What does God want when you do something wrong? For you to learn from it and for you to know that he loves you, he forgives you, he wants you to grow to be better, but he also wants you back close to his heart. Does that sound good? Yeah. Because you're God's kids and he loves you. All right. I'm good. You good? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your love, and thank you for the fact that no matter what we do, your love is always there to restore us, to renew us, to redeem us, to bring us back to your heart, to remind us that we are your kids, that you love us, and that you have a plan for us, and we thank you for uh, these of your kids that are down here this morning. We pray your blessing upon them as they study more of your word. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lead them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great time in Hope for Kids. Remember when you were that age? Does it hurt a little that you're no longer one of the important people? I saw you, I saw you like surge. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? Lord, we come before you as your children, and as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and lead us into a deeper understanding of your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. As we lay the burdens of our hearts at the foot of your cross, uh, we ask that you would lift our heads to the hope, light, and love that are ours through the work of your Son, that we might know that you are the God who loves, who redeems, who restores, who renews, who always gives second chances and, Lord, that as we reflect on your word this morning, that you would be at work in our hearts. And, Lord, we give you those relationships in our lives that are strained and we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses or recovering From medical procedures and we just pray your healing mercies over your people we lift especially to you this morning jack fliss we just pray you would pour out your healing upon him as he is sick Uh, we pray for others who are post-op and pre-op and we just pray your healing mercies upon their bodies and lord we lift up this country before you we lift up our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. And Father, we lift up our men and women in uniform who serve to protect and defend our freedoms. We pray that you would watch over them, keep them close to your heart. And Lord, for those who are separated from their families because of their service at this time, we just pray that you would minister a sense of your presence and peace to everyone involved. We lift up those who are in harm's way. We pray that you would bring them home safely. We lift before you those who've returned home, changed as a result of their service. And We pray your healing over them, mind, body, and soul. Use us, your church, to minister that grace to their lives. And Lord, we lift up all the churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions connections. Uh, we lift up Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala. We lift up John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas. We lift up Pastor Miguel and Tatiana at our sister church in Camahuani, and we lift up Roberto, the, the younger pastor there as well, and his family. We lift up Pachi Quesada in Havana, Cuba, in Cuba, and his wife Marilyn. We lift up Robbie and Joyce Ham as they continue to develop ministry in Lebanon, and we lift up Uh, Monica and Benjamin Bailey in the Middle East, and we just pray your blessing upon those works that you are doing there. We lift up the church plants that are going on in Texas right now, in New Braunfels, in Austin, and in Dallas, and we pray your blessing over those young works. Be with us now as we open your word. Open and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, we are... um, in a series of messages titled, Crystallized, the idea is that we're looking at the Old Testament and some of its uh, thematic uh, viewpoints, and we're just trying to boil down some of those themes to understandable levels, and then we are going to roll from this sermon series later this year into a series of messages that are focused on the Jewish festivals. And so a lot of what we're doing right now is just sort of setting the thematic background for the context in which those festivals occur and what they mean. And so we looked last week at three themes in the book of Genesis, the themes of creation, the crisis of sin, and then uh, we looked at the theme of covenant, how it is that God relates to a sinful people for the purpose of their redemption and salvation. And so, in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, we have this this unfolding picture of creation, the God who created everything out of nothing. Then in chapter 3, we have the beginning or the introduction of sin into the human experience and the crisis that that creates in separating us from God. The rest of the Bible is the playing out of that uh, illness of sin, if you will, how it sort of wrecks humanity and disturbs life, and then how God, in his covenant love for his people, figures out how to apply his redemption to our hearts, to our souls, to our lives, to our world. And so those themes all begin in the book of Genesis, creation, crisis of sin, and covenant. And now we're looking at the other four books of Moses, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the, the, the last four of the first five books of the Bible. Um, and we are trying to ask the question, what are the big themes that are present in, in these books portions of God's word and how do they set up the rest of redemptive history for our understanding of the Messiah and what he means to the world and to us in particular. And so this morning we're going to look so at, at really four themes. The first two are sort of connected and you'll see what I mean by that in a moment. But deliverance and the law Come together in the book of Exodus. And then as we look at um, Numbers, I'm sorry, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you will see the two themes, the two major themes there of atonement and love. And so all collectively, all five of these books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, are called the Law in the Jewish understanding of the Bible. And so we're, we're looking at the law in that sense, but really, at, uh, more importantly, or, or more uh, sort of in a layered way, we're looking also at the themes of deliverance, atonement, and love as they are exhibited in these passages. So to, to sort of crystallize these th- three ideas out of the law, I'm going to begin uh, in the book of Exodus. Exodus. The book of Exodus as you probably know involves the deliverance of God's people from Egypt from slavery in Egypt the bringing of them out into the wilderness toward the promised land. In that context, after they are delivered and this is very important, deliverance comes first and then God gives the law. And we'll understand better why that's important in a few minutes, but just to kind of set the scene, we're in the book of Exodus, and we're looking at these themes of, the, of deliverance and the law. And I'm going to begin in Exodus chapter six verse six. and I'm going to read three different excerpts uh, from the book of Exodus, and then we'll talk about them for a moment. Beginning in Exodus six, verse six, "Say therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord." And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Then Exodus thirteen nine, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Two things I want you to see there, the connection between deliverance and the law. So God's people are delivered from bondage and freed, and then they are given the law. That's really, really important. The law is not your pathway to freedom. It is not. The Messiah is your pathway to freedom. Deliverance from bondage to sin is ultimately borne out by Christ on the cross for you. That comes first. Then comes the law. And we'll look at that a little little bit more fully in a moment. So I want to read an excerpt from the first two verses of Exodus chapter 20. This is the chapter where after God has brought his people out of Egypt into the wilderness, and they are safe from their oppressors, they are free, he then sits down with Moses and gives him the Ten Commandments. This is the first iteration of the law. And here are the first, here's the introduction to the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then God lays out the Ten Commandments. So, the first thing I want you to notice in, in as you read any of these books of the first five books of the Bible is the way in which God says who he is and what he is going to do and how those are always connected. He always connects who he is to what he is going to do. And as he, as he gives his word to his people, he always fulfills it. This is the God we serve. He he fulfills his word. He keeps his promises. And so, the first thing I want to focus on in the book of Exodus is this call for us to trust in God's word. To know that what God says is ultimately good and right and true. We are to trust his promise to deliver. That is, to know that his word brings deliverance. Why were God's people delivered from bondage in Egypt? Because God said they would be. He said, this is who who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And so his word is trustworthy. We can trust his promise to deliver. This means in our daily lives, we are to look to his word. This link between deliverance and the law. Here's why it's important. That we don't go to God's word to find out what we're supposed to do so that we can somehow get into good standing with God. That's, I think, a common misunderstanding and a common concept that we all maybe tend towards in some ways. But that's not the way God orders Deliverance and the, and the issuing of the law. What God wants us to know is that he loves us. He has made a promise to us to bring us out of bondage and into relationship with himself to overcome the crisis of our sin and establish a covenant relationship with us so that once we, open, once we are free and forgiven, we open the law, and we see the heart of God there. It's not about do this and don't do this. It's about understanding the heart of someone we love. Um, all, of us, all of us do this in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships, in life. We, we listen to the heart of the people that we are connected to, that we care about. And any, any good parent would tell you, That their love for their child is not conditioned upon their child's obedience. We know our kids are going to disobey. That's just how it works. They're just like us, right? And so we love them unconditionally. We love them and we make promises to them that we try to keep because we love them. God is the same way. He loves us. He knows we're going to sin. And he promises to create a pathway of restoration, redemption, salvation, forgiveness, and freedom. And so we look to his word because we know he loves us. We don't look to his word to try to gain favor from God. He doesn't work on that economy on that scale. We look to his word and we rely on his power. The book of Exodus is about the power of God. God says in verse 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And you've all heard of the ten plagues that he poured out upon Egypt to bring Pharaoh to the point where he yielded up God's people. And this power that God wields in the world and in our lives. This power is the power that raised his son from the dead, and that same power is yours to restore, to renew, to redeem, to forgive, to be made new. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter who you have hurt, God loves you, and he has a pathway for restoration, healing, hope, and renewal. We are to trust in his promise to deliver. And we are then to live as those who have been delivered. It is not okay to enjoy God's forgiveness for myself and then be unforgiving toward others. It is not okay for me to be loved by God and to withhold love from others. And so we are those who have been delivered, freed, loved. We are to be people who bring with us life, hope, healing, and joy into the hearts of those around us. We are to live according to his word because we have been delivered. We are not to live according to his word in order to be delivered. We are to live according to his word because we have been delivered. You, brothers and sisters, are free. Do not use your freedom for self-indulgement. Use it for the building up of others, for the growing of God's grace in the world. So we are to live as those who've been delivered according to his word, and we are to relate his word To others. I'll just warn you. We will fail at this. I will be enjoying the grace that God has shown to me, and then I will turn to, I don't know, say, my wife and be ungracious, be selfish, be rude, what have you. Here's the beauty that through the covenant that God has established with us, I have a pathway for asking her forgiveness, for being forgiven by God, for knowing that I'm loved, from finding strength from his presence in my life, to be able to manifest, and I know, I know you won't believe me, but every once in a while, I, I can be humble, just, just on a rare day, because, because God has forgiven me, redeemed me, delivered me from myself, I can relate to others well. All right. So Exodus is the beginning of the setting forth of God's law, but only in the context of, of setting it forth before people who were already delivered from bondage, who were who are already free, then I'm going to help. I'm going to walk us into the book of Leviticus for a moment, and we're going to look at some of the themes that we find there. And I'm going to steal a verse from Hebrews because it's awesome. Um, but uh, here we go: Leviticus chapter eight, verses fourteen and fifteen. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering. And he killed it and Moses took the blood and with his finger put it on the horns of the altar around it and purified the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. I forgot to warn you, uh, you've got Genesis, Exodus, then you get Levit- to Leviticus and things get bloody, all right. And this blood is a, is a hugely important symbol in this portion of the Bible. Every time you see it, it means something. It stands for something, and it points to someone, the Messiah. And so, here you have a scene where Moses is consecrating the altar of God. The altar was a grill. I'm not making this up. I'm not being silly. It was a grill, a big box with a grill on top of it, and they would sacrifice an animal, and they would lay it on top of the grill, and the coals would would cook it, and the aroma would go up, and the idea was that we are doing something that is pleasing unto the Lord, that this aroma of our sacrifice goes up to God. And so in this, so again, the blood represents something. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Here's another uh, passage from Leviticus that gets into the specifics of what the blood represents. From Leviticus seventeen eleven, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So we'll talk about this more in in a moment. But for now, blood equals life. Listen to Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So... Here's the theme of the book of Leviticus. It's atonement. So just as Numbers gives us God's word and his law, the book of Leviticus gives us this idea of atonement. We are to trust in God's law and his word, and we are to trust in God's atoning work for our forgiveness. Uh, The Hebrew word for atonement just means to cover over. So, uh, quick, quick, quick linguistics lesson. Hebrew, one of the great things about this language is it it pre-exists, these people like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Parmenides, and a few others, these Greek philosophers who gave us abstract concepts like beauty and, um, I don't know, words that, that don't exist in this world. Um, Hebrew predates all of this. So every word in Hebrew that's abs- that approaches an abstract concept uses a concrete term to help people understand the abstract concept. For example, the Hebrew word for hope is actually the same word for a cord that you would bind something with. You are binding yourself to something in the future. You're hoping that it is realized, but you have a concrete, touchable uh, idea that you can attach to this abstract idea of hope. Same with atonement. It literally means to pull a cove cover over to cover something, and so the idea is that we are covered by the blood of another. Our, it, it also, in this idea of atonement involves ideas like washing and cleansing, will we'll we'll flesh it out. Okay. Did you notice in Leviticus 8 that Aaron and his sons the priests of the Lord laid their hands on the head of this animal before it was sacrificed. What are they doing? What they're doing, they're not they're not transferring their sin onto the animal. They're transferring their identity onto the animal. It's a transference of representation. That innocent animal now represents them before God. So when it is slain on the altar, it is representing the death that they deserved. It's representative. That's what it is. So we, in this idea and approaching this idea of atonement, of covering over, we are to transfer our identity onto a blameless one. This is this is the first step in the idea of atonement, that we are literally transferring the who of who we are onto another, a blameless other. That blameless other will then suffer and die on our behalf, representing us. So we, as we transfer our identity onto the blameless one we are to know that our blameless representative dies for us and thereby we are restored into right relationship with god of course and the bible even bears this out the blood of animals does not truly actually atone for the sin of human beings it represents something and it's a very concrete way for God to instill in the culture of his people this idea that sin brings death. We'll talk about this. As we transfer our identity onto a blameless one, so we are also to claim the blood of that innocent one for our forgiveness. Sin, and we discussed this last week, sin yields Pollution, violence, and death. These are what come in the aftermath of sin. You can see this in the story of Adam and Eve and their two sons, Cain and Abel. Um, You can see it just by looking out the window in, in the world. Sin brings pollution, violence, and death. Innocent blood... Represents washing or cleansing, peace and life. So, what God is doing in this institution of the sacraments, or the sacrifices, excuse me, um, is He is instilling this idea of representational atonement that we have to look to the, to a blameless other to find forgiveness and the restoration of our relationship with God. Atonement is that which washes away the pollution of sin, which reverses the violence of sin by carrying out that violence upon the innocent one on our behalf. It brings us to a place of peace with God. Life is in the blood, and when the blood is spilled on our behalf, we go from death to life. We live because of the death of another. This is the Christian message, that our Messiah was the Lamb of God, the one who was slain for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the truth, that he is the blameless one upon whom our identity is transferred on the cross. His blood covers over our sin. It washes us clean. It restores us to peace with God, and it gives us life eternal because he's God who became fully human. And so we trust in his word. We trust in his atoning work. And now I want to read some excer- one excerpt from Numbers and two from the book of Deuteronomy and we'll talk about our call to trust in God's steadfast love. Numbers 14, just the first part of verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. You're free to read the rest of it. I just didn't have much space and wanted to kind of focus on the, the first half of that verse. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9 know therefore that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I want to just point something out to you that in in the Hebrew there's two different words for love. The first one is God's steadfast love for you and it is a it is a a cosmically large love that is unconditional and it is it is unstoppable. It it could be you could you could call it the love of grace. All right. And then there's the word love that is there for the way you love God. And it's not as strong of a word. Right? Like the Bible itself bears out God's love is is the greatest force in the universe we will bear a dim reflection of that love in the way we reciprocate his love and the way we express his love to others it's just an interesting no extra charge just interesting little you know separation of words all right then one verse from towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy and we talked a little bit last week about circumcision as the sign of the covenant and here here it is This is what God's really getting getting at in, in in all of this. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. This idea that God will cut away our sin. He will wash it away. He will cleanse us. He will cause our true heart to be exposed to him. And there we will exist in a state of love and life forever. So we are to trust in God's word. We are to trust in his atoning work. And we are to trust in God's steadfast love. That is, as his children, we are to soak in his unconditional love, this word that is so big that it's it's hard to put into English. Uh, in the King James, I think it was called um, uh, what was uh, loving kindness. Whenever you read, if you're reading the Old King James and you see the word loving kindness, that's this word, this love of God toward His people, and it only occurs in the Old Testament, maybe two or three times where it's, it's used for a human's love for someone else or for God. It is several hundred times used for God's love for his children. It's a big, strong word. And that's the love with which God loves you. Soak it in. Seriously. You are loved. You are cosmically loved unconditionally. You are grace-loved by God. This is a big deal. He is forgiving, and he is faithful. These are two of his attributes that are just repeated and repeated and repeated throughout the first five books of the Bible. Soak it in, and then reciprocate, reciprocate his unconditional love. Be forgiving and be faithful because you are forgiven, you are redeemed. You, are your sins have been atoned for, washed away. You have been made to be at peace with God, and you have been given life eternal by the blood of an innocent one. I want you to just hear the words of Jesus as we conclude this. Um, listen to these words and think about them as they relate to Not just the first five books of the Bible, but to you. To everything that you bring to God. That is, if you are like me, most of that is ugly. Most of that is unclean. Most of that is the result of sin. And listen to what Jesus says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words, all of those sacrifices, all of that blood that represented life has been fulfilled by Christ on the cross. He, the blameless one, gave himself for you so that you can be freed, redeemed, renewed, loved, transformed, forgiven, and you may have life by his blood that lasts for eternity. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, that your Bible has been saying the same thing from the very beginning until now that we need you. We need to trust you. We need to trust your word. We need to trust in your blood. We need to trust that you are the God who forgives, who renews, who cleanses, who restores, who covers over our sin and brings us into a state of life and love forever. Lord, help us Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might live this out, that we might be forgiving and faithful and loving and kind to the people around us, that we might reflect something of your grace, your heart, your truth, your life to those in this world. Fill us with your Spirit. Lead us to be your people, your light in this dark and hurting world. These things we pray in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.